This is a sermon and it's titled The Christmas Story. The Christmas Story is the beginning of the greatest story ever told. It's not just an ordinary story though, for it is real. It's as real as you and I are. It is fact, it is truth, and it is the light in the darkness. It's not a feel-good story or something that we hear and say, hmm, that was nice, or good job, brother, good word, and go on with our lives. It's heart-changing, it's life-altering, for this story was written for just us. It was written by the one who created you and I, for he loves you and I more than we can possibly imagine, hence the Christmas story. So contrary to popular beliefs, the Christmas story does not start with a cold night and a manger. It does not start with Mary or even with the appearance of Gabriel. It does not start with wise men or even angels singing glory to God. Hallelujah. No, this story starts before time and space even existed. Why? Well, because it's at this point that we are first introduced to Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Son, Jesus the Savior. In John 1, 1 through 5, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the Word of God. And in the beginning, before God said, let there be, Jesus was with him, as was the Holy Spirit. Yes, the three are one, have always been three as one, before time and space were even created. John tells us that all things were created through Jesus, for he is the light and the life. And through him, we are created. Now please, take note of that, because that's really important. Through him, we are created. So our story actually starts at the beginning of the Bible, not in the middle. <laughs> Imagine that. It starts in Genesis, as God, our Father and Creator, gives life to creation and creates our earth. He creates man through Jesus by the breath of his Spirit, creating us in his image, separate from all the other species he has created. It starts with Father creating man's partner from his own flesh, breed with Father's spirit. Our story starts in a very happy and joyous and beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. This beautiful and perfect place where man and woman could live in the very near presence of Father, walking with him as the evening sun would set. It would be their favorite time to spend together. It is a beautiful and wonderful beginning. However, we know this is not how things stayed. Father created us to have free will, to choose to be in his love, or to be in our own love, a selfish love, and sadly, we know that mankind chose our own selfish love, which led to what we know as the fall. The selfish love is not really a love at all. It's a lie. It's a perversion of Father's love. It is true manipulation. But Father already knew that we would choose this fall. And from the beginning of our fall, he was already setting the stage for our redemption. For his love was to never leave us 
nor forsake us. Now with our fall came sin. The fruit of which Adam and Eve ate in the garden was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they ate this fruit, they took unto them something that Father did not put into them. See, to have knowledge of evil is to experience evil, and likewise with good. This evil that came from the life of this fruit is what we know as sin. Paul does a wonderful job in Romans in summing up how he felt about sin in his life, and personally how I would feel about sin in my life as well. In Romans 7, uh, chapter 7, verses 15 through 20, Paul says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. So now it is no, no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Now, I want to note here really quick when Paul says that sin it is sin that dwells within him he's basically acknowledging that sin has a a life form somewhat of its own and we need to understand that as fallen beings we need to understand what we are up against and that sin is a life form of its own in itself and that it is only through Jesus that we can overcome it and so Paul continues to say for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do, not what is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells within me. And as Paul states in that scripture, Father was setting the stage for our redemption after the fall. And he did this through two very important things that make up the Old Testament of which these two things will point like a neon arrow to our redemption from our fall. And that arrow that points to our Messiah to Jesus, our Christ. The first of these two things that Father gave us was the law. The purpose of the law was to allow us to see what evil truly was and to see what good truly is. The law is itself the nature and characteristics of Father himself. The law is good. It is righteous and it is holy. The law is who God is, for he is good. The law itself acts as a schoolmaster. It shows us what we do that is wrong. And the law defines our own unrighteousness. The penalty for breaking the law is death. In Romans 7.14, the word says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. Now I know what you're thinking. This, what kind of Christmas message is this? It's depressing, and it sounds depressing. And well, you know what? It is. And if we don't include the second part, it will remain depressing. But see, Father also gave us the law, and he gave us the promise. Father knew that we could never achieve the perfection of the law on our own. For in us is sin, and sin would always keep us from being perfect. We would always remain broken and condemned on our own. So Father also gave us the promise, the promise that we would not have to achieve the law on our own. Father gave us the promise of an intercessory, 
on our behalf the promise of the Messiah. Isaiah 40 verses 3 through 5 says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jeremiah 23 verses 5 through 6 Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And of course we have Micah 5 verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old and from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand, and he shall shepherd his flock, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. These are just but a handful, and I literally mean a handful, of promises that Father spoke through his prophets in the Old Testament. In fact, If you were to red letter the Old Testament as we do the New Testament to signal the words of Jesus, or in this case, to signal the words that point to Jesus, the whole entire Bible would bleed red. It would bleed red for everything Father spoke to us in the Old Testament was to fulfill his promise to us, to bring us out of condemnation from the fall and back into his very near presence. Back to the Garden of Eden. This is the answer. This is the gift. Father would freely give us himself, his one and only Son, to bring us back to him. Paul writes in Romans 8 verses 1 through 5, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. 
in order that righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, on an unknown day some 2,000 years ago, Father had his son step out of eternity and into time and space. It's one of my favorite lines, and I, I want to give props to Frank Fiola because he's the one who wrote that, and I love it. And I, I just, it just it amazes me every time I say it, that Jesus stepped out of eternity. He literally stepped out of Father's very near and intimate present and came into time and space. He came as the incarnation of the very being he created. He came as one of us. He came as a king, but not as a king of the world. No, 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 no. He came as a king of the kingdom of heaven. He came under the most humbling circumstances, which, by the way, is another characteristic of Father. And he came to bring the kingdom of heaven to his people. He came to bear our sins. He came for our redemption and salvation. He would experience our pain, our suffering, and even our temptations. Yet, he would never sin. For sin was not in him, even though he walked in our flesh. He would teach us, and he would show us how to walk in Father as he did. And he would heal us. He would heal us by doing the unthinkable. He would willingly become a sacrifice for you and I. He would give up his life for us, his perfect and his sin-free life, so that he could pay the price of death for our sins. Remember what I said earlier? We were created through him, and we are redeemed through him. In him, we are given life again. And not just here on earth, but of course, eternal life with our Father. To be able to enter the Garden of Eden once again. Now, if you have a Bible or if you are, have access to the internet, which I assume you do, I would encourage everybody to please read Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 20. And actually read the Christmas story now. Read it with a new set of eyes. Read it with a new set of understanding. I'm not going to read it for you because it's something that you really need to do on your own. And let the Holy Spirit work through you as you read it. And so today, we celebrate Father's greatest gift to mankind. Today, we celebrate the beginning of our redemption story. The beginning of His new covenant with His people. And we celebrate that because of His gift to us in Christ Jesus. We are no longer fallen and condemned. We are redeemed. We are free. Hallelujah. Mary's song and prophetic word that we read in his word in Luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 55 does an amazing job of summing up how I personally feel and how many of us feel when we let Jesus just encompass every aspect of our lives. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great 
things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. And exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And so let us remember, Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the light. And none may come to Father except through him. Let us seek him with all of our hearts and our souls and our might. For He is our God. And in Him and through Him, we find Father's peace and rest. So I would like to close on one last scripture. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, we worship you, and we love you. Let us not look at Christmas as just another holiday, as Christmas trees or wreaths, or lights, or gifts, or even time with our families. Christmas is God giving us the new covenant. It is God answering the promise of all the Old Testament. It is God giving us His one and only Son, so that we may be freed from our sin, that we are no longer fallen, that we are no longer condemned. That we are literally brought back into the very near intimate presence with Father himself through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I pray you all have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. And I pray you spend some time meditating on his word and meditating and just enjoying your time with Father, talking to Him, speaking with Him, developing a very intimate and close relationship with the One who created us. Glory, glory, glory in the highest. Thank you very much. God bless.